It's lovely. If only you could frost someone to death. Don't be superior. You can never tell what you'll find in the arena. Say it's a gigantic cake. I'm Stacy. I'm Jeff. And this is The Book is So Much Better, Episode 1, The Hunger Games. play some music, a little intro music, and then we'll come <laughs> back. It'll, it'll be great. It'll be great. So, uh, just to give you guys a heads up on what's going on for our podcast is we're going to do a versus, book versus the movie. We'll have a main event at the towards the end of the podcast, but before we uh, start into that, Jeff, I'm going to ask you, what is your guilty pleasure read that you've been picking up that you, uh, you can confess to everybody right here on this podcast. What are you reading right now that you try to hide when coworkers look? Uh, well, usually I'm at work. If I'm hiding anything, it's porn sites. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. And I don't read those. <laughs> I watch them. <laughs> uh, oh, you read them for the articles, right? Yeah, I read. I read. <laughs> I read the porn sites for the articles. Very much so. Uh, you know, I, I'm not really too guilty about anything that I'm reading. Um, okay. Right now, I'm I, I'm juggling a couple things. Okay. I'm reading uh, one zombie spaceship wasteland by Patton Oswalt. Sounds excellent. It's uh it's part autobiography, but he also has like sort of just as random essays and like comic book sections and stuff. It's really fun, really great. Uh, I've also been reading a biography on Stephen Col- Colbert called okay. um, "And Nothing But the Truthiness." I'm only the first. I'm only the into the first chapter, um, but so far it's it's fantastic, and uh, and I also have been reading some peanuts, a collection of peanuts comic strips. Nice. You always have to have a comic going. You always have to, at least you one. You always do. Yeah. My my go-to comics have always been Calvin and Hobbes. I've oh yeah, can't get enough of Calvin and Hobbes. Do you have the complete collection? I do have. Well, I think I'm missing one of the books, but I can't remember which one. But yeah, I have most of his books. I'm just gonna buy you the collection box set that they have. You have every single. I one. just I love Calvin and Hobbes. It's the best. There's nothing yeah. better. Yeah, my guilty read right now is um, a book by Kim Harrison. It's called White Witch Black Curse, and. Uh, oh, I thought you said White Witch Black Girl, like. White Witch Black Girl. No, White Witch Black Curse. That sounds and, less uh, racist. It's part of the Rachel Morgan series. Like she's got a. It's. It's so guilty, it's not even funny. It's a supernatural series about, you know, vampires and living and dead vampires and witches. And it's basically what happened is the human race has diminished through a virus, but the supernatural beings have survived. So now they outnumber the humans in the world. And it's kind of the ongoings of this Rachel Morgan who works to uh, help people. She's kind of like a private eye. And uh, it's pretty like a combo of I would say like Twilight meets like whatever random teeny bopper fiction that you're coming together with maybe Vampire Academy all together in this and it's you know it's really fun it's an easy read she's actually a very good writer most of these books they read very poorly like the plot is interesting but the actual reading is horrible but uh yeah the Kim Harrison books are actually very well well written I have heard that as you go on in the series that they get diminished because she's trying to push them out too far. But for now, um, it's been a very interesting read. I've enjoyed it very much. Now, is this a series that she does, or is it... It is a series. It is a series with the the main character being Rachel Morgan. So, White Witch, Black Curse is, I think, the fifth or the sixth one in the series. 
so nice. there's yeah there's there's a couple of interesting ones in there so it starts out very lighthearted. it's almost like the dresden files have you read those no dan dan tells me about them all the time yeah it's almost like the dresden files where it started out pretty lighthearted. the very first three books were very very lighthearted. nothing too serious no overarching plot that was extreme and then all of a sudden it's like the world perfectly aligns and you see the big picture and it gets very serious very fast and it's just like whoa i don't know how that happened mm. so it's it's a series i think she's got nine out right now so it's a lot yeah it is a lot i would think but, but it's my guilty pleasure i don't like people knowing that i'm reading these books mostly because the front does look like smut <laughs> it's, it's one of those ones um, with like fabio I mean, on the film her character is written she writes this strong young woman who's vivacious redhead and she always wears like tight leather i mean that's that is rachel morgan Sounds that is hot. her character and um so that's what they put on the, the front covers of the book is a strong young redhead woman in tight leather <laughs> so sounds very sexy yeah so that's mostly why it's guilty is because i don't want anyone to see the cover <laughs> which Thanks to my thanks to my Kindle, they don't. But if they ever were to just like you know look it up or whatever, know that I'm reading it. And uh, I guess since it's book versus movie, have you seen any uh, guilty movies lately that you uh, that you want to share any with us? Guilty movies? Uh, no. I will say Pirates Band of Misfits. Those Good movie? those sort of great movie. Loved it. Those sort of movies Good. are sort of a guilty pleasure for me. Not that I feel guilty about them, but like you know. I'm a grown man, and I'll go. I mean, I'll go by. I'll go by myself to see any stop never, motion animation yeah, never movie. Never lose your inner child, John. Look, never lose your inner child. If you you could make you could make a, a movie about anything. If you tell me it's stop motion animation, I will be there. Because it could be it could be. Look, I had a stop motion animated movie of a guy taking a dump. I'm there. How much is a ticket? I'll go. Because I just I think. There is- stop motion it's just so magical it it makes you happy and like you know with all the crazy technology they can do with you know computer generated stuff it's just there's something about stop motion that it's charming magic yeah i have watched i watched it last night a movie called the waitress Mm -hmm. it's out on dvd um it's actually with nathan fillion and carrie russell which that's a good flick uh yeah played felicity Yeah, yeah and she's this gorgeous woman Right? And then Nathan Fillion, I have a crush on Nathan Fillion. That's right, he's in I that love, movie. Yeah. He plays a doctor, um, right? He plays uh, Castle, uh, Rick Castle in uh, the TV series Castle, which there are books based off of that TV series, um, which are fantastic. More importantly, They're just like the TV series. What? More importantly, he plays Captain Hammer. Yeah, and most importantly, he plays Captain Hammer in um, the sing along blog of One Doctor Horrible. Of One Doctor Horrible. So, I will tell you that there was high hopes for this movie, and it just sucked. Like, it really just was not a great movie. Oh, you didn't like it? No, I didn't. I was really sad. I found it to be charming when I saw it out in theaters. I guess that was 2006 or seven. Yeah, about, you know, the pie shop, and she's, you know, she's with this horrible relationship, and she meets him because he's her OBGYN, and she's pregnant. It's just, I did not like it Maybe it doesn't age well. It just, it's very morally ambiguous. Yeah. And I usually like Nathan Fillion in his roles. His roles are usually just to showcase how charming and wonderful he is. And it just, 
was so forced. It was not good. I did mm. not like it. But I, it's, you know, I will tell you, I don't think I would advertise that I watched this movie a lot to, <laughs> to a lot of people. Just whoever just, listens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's my guilty movie, I guess, if you will. So, uh, so other than that, um, we're going to move on to a short segment. So we're going to do little short verses, see who can duke it out better. The book or the movie? This is like the, uh, the, uh, oh, what's it called? Because Hunger Games is obviously the main event. This is yeah. the, I can't think today, my mind Opening is... act. Sure, let's go with the opening act. Opening act, um, little, little teaser trailers and the uh, book cover jackets, if you will. Yes. Uh, the, the book is One for the Money by <laughs> Janet Ivanovich. And the movie... It came out in 1994. Ooh. And, uh, so it's been a while, but... Janet Ivanovich started out her uh, her writing as a romance writer, and she's since created this like dynasty of Stephanie Plum novels, which that's the main character in this one for the money. Oh, you said she has like eighteen of these. She's got like eighteen. I think the eighteenth one just came out. I mean, they they are just people love these books. Like, what do you what do you like? Because they're all like one for the money, two for the dough, three to get deadly, hard eight. At eighteen, what do you just call it? Like eighteen, I just think read it's it. Explosive eighteen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and it just, and there are very, you know, there's a lot of writers that write like this. They number their books. They, you know, they have same characters that go throughout the whole thing. Um, so what we did is we sat down, Jeff, not together, unfortunately. Not yet, I, you know, Read the book jacket first. I don't know what you did first, and then I watched the movie trailer. I watched the trailer I, first. We watched the trailer first. So the movie trailer, um, the movie just got released this starring, winter. Starring Catherine Heigel. Yep, and uh, it's based off of this book, One for the Money. So, I read the book jacket. It promises that there's a badass chick named Stephanie Plum, and she is down on her luck, Jeff. Just absolutely down on her luck. The way the the, jack co- uh, the book jacket says is that she's lost her job. She used to sell cheap lingerie. Can I actually can I actually read the book description off Amazon because it yeah, is yeah if you want to because it's the book description you know. It's, it speaks for itself, obviously. It is deliciously terrible, just yeah. by reading it. So, it begins, in bold, one fine mess. Welcome to Trenton, New Jersey, home to wise guys, average Joes, and Stephanie Plum, who sports a big attitude and even bigger money problems since losing her job as a lingerie buyer for a department store. Stephanie needs cash, fast, but times are tough, and soon she's forced to turn <laughs> to the last resort of the truly desperate family. Bold, one false move. Stephanie lands a gig at her sleazy cousin Vinny's bail bonding company. She's got no experience, but that doesn't matter. Neither does the fact that the bail jumper in question is local vice cop Joe Morelli. From the time he first looked up her dress to the time he first got into her pants to the time Steph hit him with her father's Buick, M-O-R-E-L-L-I has spelled T-R-O-U-B-L-E, and now the hot guy is in hot water, wanted for murder. In bold, one for the money. Abject poverty is a great motivator for learning new skills, but being trained in the school of hard knocks by people like psycho prizefighter Benito Ramirez isn't. Still, if Stephanie can nab Morelli in a week, she'll make a cool ten grand. All she has to do is become an expert bounty hunter overnight and keep herself from getting killed before she gets her man. Like, I just imagine this sounding like a Rob Schneider movie trailer. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. It has that very, that writing to it. Yeah, it does. It does have that rating to it. And I, I will tell you that it just sounds formulaic. Yes. And I can almost sit down and 
people have recommended the Janet Ivanovich books to me, and I've never picked one up. And I think part of the reason is is because I think I could start anywhere in the series. You don't have to start with one. Sure. And you'd pick up and you'd read the same book over and over again. And there are plenty of people who love that. They fall in love with a book and a writer. They just want the same thing over and over again. And writers make millions off of that. I know. But it just sounds so formulaic. And I will tell you, the trailer is just... <laughs> it, it tries, it really tries to get that feel across. But, uh, and I mean, Catherine Heidre- Heigl is gorgeous. You know, another pretty face, right? You find, it, you find it really hard to believe her as this hard up, hard for money, you know, girl in, you know, New Jersey who just can't make it in life. Like, I find it so hard to believe. Yeah. And I think that's part of a lot of movies' problems is that they're supposed to be these real life characters and then when you actually see them you're like I don't believe it. I mean that trailer was terrible. It was. I mean terrible. let's let's be honest. Katherine Heigl's career is pretty terrible at this point. She has made some pretty bad career moves and I think this is one of them. She's just doing whatever comes her way it looks like. It's so it just and you know I I liked how the trailer um movie trailer had upped the ante instead of 10 grand it's, it's 50, 50 grand. 50 grand. Yeah. And I, I figure, you know, 1994, when the book came out, 10 grand was a lot of money. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's appropriately up the ante, but it's still, at 50 grand, why isn't everybody doing it, you know? Like, why is she yeah. resorting? It doesn't sound like a much of a resort to this kind of And if movie. Catherine Heigl can do it, clearly anyone can do it. Yeah, clearly anybody can. Yeah. I mean, I have an arsenal of six guns right now, and I can do True. it. True. You just grabbed your husband's shotgun. Right. Yeah. And I think he would be... All for it. He said, "Yeah, sure. Borrow the shotgun. Bring home fifty grand. Let's do it." Yeah. So, I, I will tell you that if I had to pick in this opening act, book versus movie, I would pick the book. I really have a hard time choosing. I feel like yeah. it's, it's and the reason why I would pick the book is because it's just I would hope that it promises more. It promises a little bit more than the trailer. If this were a pro wrestling match, yeah, I would give it a double disqualification. <laughs> And neither would win. But, but I think one might argument the trailer, you'd pick, you know, maybe just by looking at the trailer, you'd go with the movie because it's shorter. Yeah. You know, at least you're promised an ending faster. That's true. I think in this case, I might go with the movie just because the one thing Heigl, Heigl does have is massive boobage. Yeah, the good looks. I mean, it's right there. She's at least nice to look at. Okay. So I think I'm going to go with the movie for this one. I agree to that, but I'd still stick with the books just on the promise of more. I'm going to go with the movie on the promise of less. (laughs) Alright, and now, which, uh, more importantly... Time for the main event. Yeah, main event. Something we actually enjoyed. I enjoyed it. Did you? Did you? Yeah, um, so we're going to be reviewing The Hunger Games by Susan Collins. Now, Jeff, I have a question for you. Do you know of uh, Susan Collins' work previous to this? I do not. I've, I feel like I've seen the name in airport bookstores. Oh, yeah. Well, she does have another series um, besides this, but perhaps you have seen a show, a TV show perhaps, on Nickelodeon. A TV show called Clarissa Explains It All? Yes. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps The Mystery Files of Shelby Wu? Yeah. Was she a Susan writer Collins, in that or was she a writer? On- she was a writer on those shows? Yeah. No way. No way. Look so, at, look at you doing Collins, research. This is amazing. Yeah, Susan Collins has been around for a little bit longer than I expected. I thought 
she was almost like a Twilight or like a Harry Potter breakout. Like, hey, this is my first book and it's all of a sudden this huge hit, you know? But she's been around for a while. She so knows what she's doing. For a second, I thought she she was she had starred on Closer Swing and I was like, wait, Melissa Joan Hart? She's, <laughs> she's writing a yeah, Susan Collins? <laughs> no, she was a writer on those shows. Um, the Hunger Games, uh, the book came out first. Doesn't always happen that way, but it usually does. A book came out in 2008, and as you folks know, a movie just came out this spring. Oh, so the books, the books aren't that old. I thought they were older for some reason. No, the books aren't that old. Which you can tell because when I went to go buy them, the, it's, uh, Hunger Games is the book in a series of three. It's uh, Hunger Games, Catching Fire, and Mockingjay are the three books in the series. And when I went out and bought them... Hunger Games was at least in paperback, but the other two were still in hardcover. So they hadn't been out long enough to be released in paperback. Interesting. So, um, so yeah, the book launched in 2008, and, uh, I, you know, overall, um, you know, I think it's a, an interesting plot, that's for sure. Um, so the main character is called Katniss Everdeen. Yep. And she lives in a world that's... Futuristic, I guess you would call it. It's uh, it's almost like an alternate reality to where we live right now. Um, pretty much, it's the United States, but uh, it's a new country called Pan Am, and there's districts. There's 13 districts total. But wait, wait, is the country owned by Pan American Airlines? <laughs> uh, no, maybe I'm saying that. Maybe it's Pan Am. I can't. I don't know how to say it. But it would be awesome if it was Pan. Like Pan Am somehow Pan Am. became. <laughs> After after this yeah. current after this yeah, current recession, awesome. Pan Am came back and bought <laughs> America. Yeah, I think it's kind of like the take on Pangea type deal, like you know everything's united. But I think that the later books allude to the fact that the geography is pretty much the United States and the capital city, centraled somewhere in the um, Western Mountains. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was thirteen districts that you know created under this rule and they had peace for a little bit and the district said forget you capital you suck and tried to rise up and the capital city said no we are awesome dominated the rest of the districts completely obliterated the 13th one Katniss lives in district 12 and life is pretty hard post post the war in fact this book takes place 74 years Post the uprising of the rebellion and the capital crushing everybody. And the capital goes, hey, we're not going to let you forget this. You guys are going to have to do the Hunger Games. Each district sends a boy and a girl every uh, every year, and they have to fight to, the, fight to the death. If you don't participate in the Hunger Games, you will not be allotted rations of food and oil. And uh, it doesn't sound like it would make that much of a difference, honestly. In District 12. I mean, especially when you read the book, it is a hard life. People starve all the time. They work in the coal mine. They die, you know, in the coal mine. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a hard life, that's for sure. Katniss has uh, found a way to get around it. She hunts illegally, poaches in the woods with her best friend, Gail. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Which, she tries Gail, to for a guy's name, please. Come on. What? Gail, for a guy's name, come on. I know, I, was, I read come Gail on. at first, and I was like, that's a really weird way to spell it and then all of a sudden you see the pronoun he used and you're like oh that's that's kind of funny but that's all right i've met a guy named kelly the other week so we'll work on it um but yeah so she has the one thing in the world that she really loves is her sister primrose and uh and basically the premise of this book is primrose was chosen to be uh to be the tribute for district 12 the female tribute 
And Katniss is, throws down and says, no, I'm not going to tolerate this. I protect those I love. And Katniss volunteers. So she is going to the Hunger Games, is this book. And uh, on the way, she's got some pretty crazy characters. Um, the person who's supposed to train her is Hamish, and he is a drunk. Yeah, he is. And uh, her male competitor is Pita, who she is just can't imagine killing, because this is a fight to the death amongst children, folks. And she just can't imagine killing Pita because he has given her life, basically, because he is the baker's son. And when her family was starving, like, literally she was about to die in the streets, he gave her bread unknowing. I mean, you'll find out later that, you know, he did it purposely and saw her and just thought of her and, you know, but at the time it looks like it was just an accident, but he gave her bread to live off of, which is really important to her. So she's like, I can't kill him. This is awful. Um, there's the crazy folks from the Capitol, which it's, uh, it's one of the things I really like about this book, Jeff. I don't know if you, if you, uh, liked it or not. I kind of set the, set the stage. It's a post-war unknown future where there is technology, but the way that they, she writes the districts, it's like almost they're living in the 1940s. You know, the way that's set up. And the movie sets that way, too. When you look at the movie settings, that the scenes in District 12 are very minimalistic. And you see the only signs of technology are brought in specifically from the Capitol. Yes. But when you go to the Capitol, there's, like, you know, flying cars and, like, all these crazy things in the streets. And this technology to, you know, modify your body in all these different ways. And so I, I think that there's a really interesting, um, you know difference between the districts and the capital and the technology, but I don't think they, they took it too far. Like, they could have taken it really far. In the movie, in the, in the book, it didn't really visualize it as it was in the movie. Really? Because I did, actually. But, I really, because I read the book first, and I really thought that that's kind of how it would look. But in the movie, I would say the capital is a city completely inhabited by what we would refer to today as hipsters. With stupid and that's weird how haircuts. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be these these people who they want for nothing, and they're just glutton in their appetites for you know not just food but for modifying their body and looking beautiful and their entertainment. They're just glutton. Whereas the districts are your day to day down to earth people who are just surviving. Yeah, I couldn't <clears throat> I couldn't stand the the capital in the movie. I I couldn't, but I think that when you read the book, it takes it over the top. I think that, you know, the way that it's described in the book, you feel the difference between the two even more. Yeah. But like I said, I really like the fact that, like, especially the movie could have taken the capital to, like, over the top to, you know, almost Star Wars, Tron, you know, that sort of feel of the space age technology. And they didn't. They just, it's enough, but... You know, it's not over the top, which I really like. I definitely got the futuristic bit, just not the way the people were dressed. Yeah, I and I had imagined them dressed even more bizarre than they were. Oh, really? If that makes sense, yeah. The way the vibe that I got from the book, it's like the book had people described like dyeing their skin colors to like you know, there's one girl That's who right. dyed her skin green. That's right. And so I had imagined a lot more outlandish modifications because the people in the capital have nothing better to do in their life. They have no purpose. They they don't need anything. So they just waste their money on 
trying to make themselves look beautiful in these weird outlandish ways. And I just, I, I think that it was a nice touch, but I think they could have gone further if they wanted to be more true to the movie or to the book. So, but, uh, you know, comparatively, I gave you kind of a brief overlook for the, the plot. I think that there's two plots really here. And when you read the whole series, you can kind of see them a little bit better. There's the love triangle, you know, that turns out between Katniss and Gale, who is her best friend, and then Katniss and Pita, who, in the movie, the big twist is that Pita confesses that he's been in love with her, and uh, he does it on national television, and it just sucks in the entertainment for the people who are watching this horrible, you know, fight with children to the death, you know, and... Which is pretty startling. uh, it is. Especially it's, you know, in the movie. You're like, oh yeah, is, these are just kids. Yeah. These are just kids. And I, I like that they throw Rue into the, into the movie and kind of focus on her because it just brings to the fact that she's a 12-year-old girl fighting to the death just so her people can get food. And I think they slowed down the tempo of the movie just enough for her and really just made you pause and think like, hey, 12-year-old girl just died. So, you know, I think... But they did it tastefully, too. They didn't just... Because it could be done very poorly, I will say. But I think they did it pretty... You know, as as tasteful as you can slaughter a 12-year-old, right? Yeah, as tasteful as you can. As tasteful as you can. Some of it in the movie was brutal-looking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, so there's the overarching theme of the Katniss, Pita, Gale. And it goes... That goes on through the books. And then there's the overarching theme of, hey... We're the districts. We don't deserve this. We deserve food and protection. We shouldn't be in fear of sending our children to die. And then you have this unrest, this rebellion. And, and you see that more in Gail's character than anybody else at this point of, hey, we should run away. We should leave the districts. And, you know, I think that the movie really left that out. I think that the movie is planned to continue. So you'll probably see more of that later. Mm-hmm. But... I, I don't know if you picked up on it in the book at all. Because you've only read the first one, right? Yeah, I only read the yeah. first one. So I don't know if you picked up on it at all. But there's definitely this underlying current of unrest amongst the district. And you you hear it a lot through Gail's voice when you're reading. In and I know you don't books? get to see a lot of Gail. You do in the beginning and the end. But, um, but if you look at his character, you're kind of reflecting the uncomfortable way that things are and how people wish it would change. That's the one thing I liked about the movie is you have to see a bit more of the districts and even uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff yeah. of the actual show. You had a couple other perspectives. Yeah, the book does focus on the games a lot more. There's a lot more of the actual inside the arena um, in the book than there is in the movie. In the movie, And even in the movie, you get to see they show the district this is a district four i think that rue is from and yeah. uh so you get to see a little bit of them going you know respecting katniss for what she's you know done with rue and how she's helped her and stuff but it's uh it's um it's an interesting parallel i'll say that um i i think that they they did pull out the points that would be big scores on the big screen for the for the movie Although the book was pretty much written for a movie, you can tell. I feel like the movie, like, had I not read the book before I saw the movie, mm-hmm. I would have been lost. I feel like the movie was made for people who solely read the book. Like, I feel like they skimped out on a lot of 
Oh, yeah, and there's lots of, like, uh, in the movie, for example, Katniss is talking to her sister before she goes to the Capitol to the Hunger Games, and she says, don't put your name in more than you have to, like, don't put your, you know, you don't yeah. need the extra food. And that's explained extensively in the book, so the way that your name gets put in, they that doesn't make sense at all if you just walk into the movie and you're like, what's happening? But, yeah. You know, once you're 12 to 18, your name gets put in, you know, the first year it's one, the second year it's two, the third year it's three, up until your name's in seven times. But, you know, if your family needs extra food, then you can sign up and put your name in more times, and each time you put your name in extra, it's enough grain and oil for one year for one person. So, you know, there's a whole explanation about why your name would be in more than just once, and they don't do that at all in the movie, so it wouldn't make sense. And it's even, it's even more tragic in the book that Katniss's sister got picked because her name was in once. Yeah. Once in thousands. I mean, her odds for not getting picked were very good. So the fact that she got picked, it's just like the world is against that family right from the start. Yeah, the movie did a horrible job of setting things up and explaining yeah. anything I, I will say on. that. And, you know, maybe it's because I read the book first and I've read the, all three of them on top of it that I have this advanced perspective. But I think that people who just saw the movie would be intrigued enough to go read the book. That would be my thought. It's almost like a two-hour commercial for the book. Almost, yeah. I could. I would agree with that. Because there was also, you know, the part where it's like, don't step off the platform, they'll blow you up. Yeah. But they don't explain that later when they, they booby-trap the, the stuff with those mm-hmm. mines, they didn't, don't explain that those mines was what that was. So you're like, yeah. okay, well, where'd he get these mines? Yeah. I but, knew, because I read the book. Yeah, but, I mean, I suppose, too, and they don't under really, they don't explain the cornucopia, they don't explain, they don't explain you know, you're not ready the for the bloodbath or anything like that. That's, yeah. and I think that that, um, they, they do a very poor job explaining how much of this arena is controlled, because, the feel you get is that it's just kind of like a national park, but it is literally a bubble that the capital has entire control of. They can set forest fires, they can release, you know, the jackets, they can really have every control on what goes on in that arena. Yeah. And I think you don't get that vibe. But, like I said, the book goes through a lot, and uh, Jeff, I'm sorry I have to take this. How dare you. Sorry, Jeff. How could you? I don't know how we're going to make that work, but um, it sucks being on call. You can tell. But I don't have to go out, so for now we're good. That's good. We'll just, uh, let's just get back into it. Um, I don't right. even know where we were, though. I don't either. Why don't we talk about... Uh, let's just start reviewing each. Okay, well, I was going to do favorite characters. Favorite characters, okay. Uh, God. I, I mean, PETA's great. I And I agree with you, Jeff. I think PETA's my favorite character. Why do you like him? Um, because he's just fun. He had he had some really great lines in the book. Not the movie, not so much. Yeah, um, and actually, if you go into IMDb for this movie, Peta does not show up until after, you know, let's see, it's two for you know after ten people they go through. And I understand like there's bigger stars that play smaller roles than he does, but Peta is a huge character. I mean, he is the other tribute. There's Katniss and Peta, and yet. Josh does not get his credit, you know, his listing in IMDb until after the propaganda film tribute. <laughs> or the registration woman. Or Katniss's mother. 
To be fair, Katniss's mother was in Deadwood, so she was kind of a big deal. Um, I just, yeah. you know, I just think that, you know, poor Joss uh, Hutcherson, he he doesn't get credit, and he's definitely my favorite character, so... Well, he still makes Buko dollars. I'm sure he's fine. Yeah, oh yeah, he makes Buko dollars. But yeah, but... He, had, he had some great, uh, very witty in the book. Yeah, and very, um, for how old he is, a lot more mature than Katniss, I think, ever has been. Um, you know, while Katniss has had to grow up and take care of her family, I just feel like Peeta has so much more insight. You know, he's not hot-headed like Gale. He doesn't, you know, have anger. But he still wants to be himself and still thinks that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. But I think he takes it with a really good grace. Yeah. Throughout the I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Definitely one of my favorite characters. The other one I really like is uh, Caesar, the interviewer that interviews he's, the tributes. He's fun. I, I just think that... Very fun in like, the movie. Yeah, very fun. Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Um, and definitely, uh, I think just fun. He's a fun character. I'm a fan. You know so. who else I liked? Rue. Yeah. Rue is yeah. a good character, too. I thought she... Because, you know, Katniss can come off as a little rough, but to have Rue parallel her, her uh, sister Primrose... Yeah. I thought that was really uh, genius to put that up together. Least favorite character, Katniss. Katniss, yeah, actually, least favorite character, Katniss. Especially in the movie. It seemed like, to me, in the movie, the direction was, um, okay, Jennifer Lawrence, in this scene, I need you to make a stupid face, and but don't say anything, but just kind of look dumb and confused. Yep, that's okay, about great. right. And action. Perfect. Let's move on. Which, it's really funny, because my parents saw this movie, and they loved Jennifer Lawrence. Really? She doesn't do yeah. anything in the movie. She just sits I, there, mouth open and... Well, and that's... Part of the problem is, is that... And again, I think that maybe I'm drawing from the next two books in the series, is that you'll find that Katniss is... That's that's her best, is she sits there and does nothing. What a whore. But, yeah, it's just, um... I also wish she was more badass. Like, she does the badass things, but for most of the, of the book, at least, like, she's hiding in trees... And I guess she's it doesn't. Playing, I mean, she's playing it smart. Like that's no. what I would do. And I know. I mean, and like, yeah. when I was reading, it, I was like, well, you know, she is a girl, and she probably doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want to kill people, so she's just trying to survive. But at the same time, I wanted her to just go in and just start capping motherfuckers with a bow and arrow. You know what I mean? And she does when she gets a hold of the bow and arrow. True. But she doesn't get it at first because she couldn't survive the cornucopia. Yeah. Because the other thing, again, the other thing they don't explain in the movie that they get get to in the book is that people actually volunteer for this. Yeah. Like, in districts like 1 and 2 and 3, like, that are around the capital, being a winner of the Hunger Game is, is like, a huge honor, and everyone wants to do it and be the victor, and they're amazing, and they have people that train them, and, you know, it's not supposed to happen, but it does. And so, you don't understand why that there's these people who are absolutely amazing at it. That's what I don't really explain in the movie how much trouble they're in for almost killing themselves. Yeah, that's the other, and this is the underlying, like, unrest. They don't explain why that, why it's such a horrible thing that, like, they almost had no victors. Yeah. And then they're like, oh yeah, fine, you know. And and the reason why that they were, Katniss and Peeta were even allowed to team up together, was just for good entertainment. They wanted the love story and, and the teams to, to help out. I mean, that's all they did it for. And then they're like, oh, yeah, okay, so now you have to kill each other. Even more dramatic ending, so even more viewers would want to watch it. And then, you know, they were going to defeat the system and, 
you know, propagate the rebellion. And so this is the first time they've ever had two winners. Can I also and, uh, just say, can I also just say, uh, one critique of the book, and I have, a, I have another one too, but just uh, while I'm thinking about it right now, what's with the stupid names? Like in the future, everyone has a really dumb name. Peta well, and Katniss nowadays, and Jeff, Rue. Like, seriously. I guess. But I just, I'm sitting there and I'm reading this. And I'm like, it's like the author's just trying too hard to not give them a normal name. Like, is it really that bad to name a character John? Or Derek? Yeah, or, you know, yeah, it makes sense. I understand. Like, Peta and Rue and Gale and... Haymitch. Haymitch. And what was the woman's name? The uh, Played by Elizabeth Effie. Banks in the movie. Effie yeah, Trinket. Effie, come on. You're trying way too hard. And another critique, I don't know if you noticed this in the book, but there are moments where, like, there are so many grammar errors that took me out of the book. Like, there's a that lot That was of... actually one of the complaints of the, of a lot of people of the first book, is the copy editor is just awful. Yeah. There are so many, and, you know, it continues. Like, I would have to, the... I would have to reread the sentence, like, multiple times and try to figure it out. That's, it stopped me. I, at least I can remember twice being stopped by Oh, yeah, a I poor remember for sure. It's, it, and it is distracting, and it's very frustrating, but... Yeah. I think that it probably stems from her being a romance writer, and no one reads romance books, so they don't care. True. Who would read those? They just, they just want to look at Fabio on the cover. Exactly. So, you know, I don't know why there's there's so many errors, but it's kind of ridiculous. It's out of control. You would think by now they would have fixed it, too. Yeah, you would think they would go back in, like, a, in a reprint, at least in the paperback edition, or at least for, for a Nook and a Kendall. It'd go in and it's like, okay, well, that sentence doesn't make sense. Yeah, just a digital review, but... Apparently not. No, apparently not. So... But yeah, I think um, overall we both really liked it. Jeff, if you had to experience... Well, I guess, let's before we ask that question, let me ask you this. And it's specific to this this topic of the Hunger Games. Do you think you would win the Hunger Games? No, oh god, I'd die so fast. <laughs> I would Are you die kidding so me? Fast. One, I'm so out of shape. I'm so incredibly out of shape. Well, I suppose that if we lived in their world, we would have no option to be out of shape because you and I. I mean, I know I would live in the di- one of the districts. I would. So- I would never live in the capital. I'm not oh no, I'm, I'm capital all the way, baby. <laughs> capital all the way. Yeah. So maybe I'd be in better shape, but I would just die. I would watch I you die. That's how it goes. I'd be sitting in the capital. You know, like, Brew has a special ability that she can, like, climb trees and hide and stuff like that, so she she almost beat it. I would just be like, if I made The Hunger Games, if I had written it, it would be so sexual. Because it would just be people like, please, I will suck you off, just don't kill me. I'll I'll do anything you want. Just don't murder me. (laughs) It would just be a highly, it would be a highly graphic book. I think, and this is, I don't know what my, uh... Maybe this says about my mental psyche right now, but I think that maybe I would just try to end it before I got into the games. Kill yourself? I would be stealing, like, butter knives at dinner or something like that. Oh, yeah. During the training? Yeah, during the training. Because you have, like, weeks before you actually... Between when you are picked for the Hunger Games and when you actually go into the arena, you have weeks. And I understand, like, they're constantly monitored, and I wonder if people have tried that, and so they have ways around it. Yeah. But... That's what I would try to do, and I, like I said, that I don't know what that says about my psyche right now. Well, you know, you know what I would have done, and this is maybe telling of my psyche. You know how they had they kind of like would form groups when they were in the yeah. game, 
Like, PETA joined up with those people. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the survivor mentality. Yeah. You have to play the game. Why not, when they fall asleep, cut all their throats? Why didn't any of those, why didn't any of those kids think of that? Well, they are kids, just to let you know. I guess. And, but they're also murdering each other. Yeah, but, you know, a lot of these kids have been, you know, trying, coming from, like, trusting, loving families, so, you know, what's not to believe if they they get into a group? Also, no guns? No guns in the future? In the Hunger Games? No. No. Not in the arena, at least. It's not fun, because the whole point of the arena is an entertainment factor. Not even, like, an, an airsoft pistol? Just to, like, shoot someone's eye out? No. Pew, pew, pew! Well, you saw how genius some of those kids were. They modified the explosives in the... Which they the didn't tubes. explain that the kid was a genius and could do that. Like, that, the movie was so frustrating. Yeah, but, I mean, so they could modify one of those airsoft pistols, and that would be over too fast. I guess. I mean, you, you saw a- they liked... Poison and blunt weapons for... And the Tracker Jackers. The Tracker Jackers. And the Tiddly Widdlies. Whatever stupid names they could come up with. She's Anna Collins. I imagine she, before she wrote the book, she just made a list of the most retarded things she could think of, name-wise. I, I do wonder sometimes why these, you know, alternate realities, post-apocalyptic worlds have to have so many different... It's like Lord of the Rings. They have to have a different language for elves. Yeah, it's but like, it's come like... On. It is like, you know, uh, I'm going to write a story set in the future, so let me come up with the most ridiculous things, because that's what the future should be like. Yeah. I'm sure we'll still just have hornets in the future. Yeah, I'm sure, but, you know, if you, if you buy into it, if you just go, okay, I'm going to believe it, it's, it kind of adds to the, adds to the whole setting of the book. My suspension of disbelief wavered a few times, depending on what name came up. (laughs) You gotta just let yourself go. Mockingjay? Just call, yeah, it, just call I, it either just a Mockingbird. Just call it a Mockingbird, man. Or a Jaybird. Well, the problem is, is it's a the Mockingjay, and you'll understand because they'll explain it later, but it's a crossbreed. Yeah. No, they mentioned it in the first book, I think. Okay, so it's a crossbreed. Just call it just call it a Mockingbird Jaybird. No, Mockingjay. That one makes sense to me. I just feel it's a little forced. Like a lot of things in this book. Alright, so if you had to experience one again... What would it be and why? Probably the book. Because I feel like the book better... Again, the movie didn't explain anything. Mm -mm. And I feel like had I not read the book, I wouldn't have known what was going on at all. Okay. Like, a lot of times I'd sit in the movie and I was like, oh, she's doing that because of this, this, and this in the book. Like, the movie just seemed very... It it felt rushed, I guess. Like, they were really rushed most movies that are based off of books are going to be because a book has infinite number of pages that the author can use to explain something. But she actually it, helped write the movie, too. She's credited as one of the screenwriters. Yep. she Yeah, she did. So you would so, think, you would be like, oh, well, this doesn't make sense because it's not explained. But I think that it's because you've read the book that you understand the, the, the inner workings behind the scenes. My parents did not read the book before they watched this movie, and they loved it. Same with Dan's parents. They I just... I couldn't stand They it. absolutely loved it. They thought it was a fantastic movie, just standalone as it is, and it's because they don't know any better. They don't know that there's something behind what they're doing. They're just taking it at face value. Yeah. And at face value, it's an interesting movie with some action and a, a little bit about relationships, and that's all. You know what else I couldn't stand about the movie? Hmm. Uh, the cinematography. Stop yeah, shaking you, the camera. I think, you know, and maybe we need to explain to our folks that you have film education background, so you can critically say one way or another 
Yeah, but also, well, I mean, also it's all subjective, too. Like, just because they like it, I mean, it doesn't diminish their opinion. I suppose somebody liked it, because that's how they did it. But it's just so, like, like, even, like, when Effie, or whatever the fuck her name is, Trinky was talking at the, at the, the District 12 thing, where she was yeah. introducing everything, and the camera's like, it's really close on her mouth, and then it's behind her, and then it's to the side of her eye. Like, fucking calm it down. Relax. Just give me a shot of her face and just hold it for, like, two seconds. There was a very MTV style of editing to it that I couldn't stand. And I also I... felt like they butched... They, they screwed up... They I feel like they screwed up the, uh... The, uh... The PETA... The PETA... What's her name? Katniss? The PETA Katniss history. Because that first... The first time you see a flashback, it's just them two staring in the rain. And you're just like, okay, what the hell is that? Yeah. And then 30 minutes later, you get the full flashback. But even then... Like, if I hadn't read the book, I'm like, I don't know what this means. She, he throws some bread in the, in the mud for her? Great. Yeah, and I think that it's, it's hard to explain why it's such a big deal, like, that he is the person that he's, she's supposed to kill. Like, he is the one that, you know, is chosen. And it's because she feels like she owes him, and you don't get that from the movie. But again, you know, if you saw the movie without knowing any of this, I think that many people would just take it at face value and go, okay. It was, you know, maybe they wouldn't like it as much. They might go, it's kind of a weird movie. But I think a lot of people would be able to just accept it for what it is. But I think it's the reason why I would experience the book because they they go through and they explain so much more and there's so much more to grab from it. Like, my example was in the arena, Katniss understands how to play the game and it's why she's she wins. It's, it's because she's not badass. It's not because she can do cool things. It's because she understands there's viewers viewing this show, and she understands how to play on their emotions to get things from them. Because they, they're allowed to receive presents in the arena. Yeah. So she understands that she has to be charming, and she has to do this, and she has to play on the relationship between her and PETA. Which they never get, show in which, the movie. Which they explain. never show. But she understands that she has to do those to be able to get things. And she plays the game very well. And you you don't get that from the movie. It's something that the book offers. And, and it's a gradual thing. She doesn't understand at first. She's frustrated at first. She says she doesn't understand why Hamish isn't sending her things, why she needs things, and she knows he's watching. And then as the arena progresses and as she understands, she understands how to play the people. Yeah, there's no real growth. To her in the movie. I, trust me, she doesn't grow far. Still one of my <laughs> good, least favorite good characters. To know. Good to she know. does not grow far by any means, but you know, it's it works out okay. So no. uh, so let's go ahead and rate this, Jeff. Alright. Uh, if you were gonna rate the the book versus the movie standalone, um, you know, overall for the book, what would you say? Give it a score? Yeah. For the out book of 10. the book I would say I would give it I'll say a seven point five. Because, again, the grammar was a big issue with me. And I will say, I got a little bored during the beginning of the actual Hunger Games when she was just hiding in trees. I just want her to... I just really... And I know it's not her character to be this way, but I really just want her going and just capping people. I will say, I I will give it a a 7 out of 10. And I I know that seems like a low score, but I I have very high standards for my books. Mm -hmm. And I did read through this like crazy, and actually I think I read the whole series in, in one weekend. Um, but the whole time, and this was recommended to me by my husband, and the whole time I kept telling him it was the worst book in the world. And, and I don't think I meant it, but 
it almost felt like it, but it does in a way it that's grew not... on me. It really did, and I I couldn't put it down. So it it does get a high score for that, and I did enjoy it, and I did like it, and for all the things that I have said on this podcast, I did think it was fantastic. But it it's by no means my favorite book. Well, you know, I, so you know what else I'll give credit to the book is they get into the plot really fast. Like yeah, by the beginning fast, of it doesn't take long. By the beginning of chapter two, they have set everything up. Yep, the whole story, the whole background, and it doesn't feel like you're spoon fed. It feels like they've integrated it pretty well. Yeah, you know, so it you know, and so yeah, so seven, seven out of ten, seven and a half out of ten for sure. Now rate the movie overall on its own. This movie, I gotta tell you, not a fan. Really? No, because I feel like again, I feel like had I not known what I had known, it wouldn't have. Stayed it would have. Still it would have. I would have been lost. And I, the cinematography was crap. I didn't like Jennifer Lawrence in it. I just thought Katniss was just this girl that just kind of stood there and was mute. Or just had her mouth open and looked angry. Like, I felt like that was the direction. Okay, open your mouth a little bit. A little bit more gaping mouth. Okay, now lower the eyebrows. Look a little kind of angry. Alright, perfect. Now just sit there for a few seconds while we get this shot. Um, so I'm going to give the movie a 4 out of 10. Wow, that's low. Yeah. I actually, and I give the movie the same score that I gave the book. 7 out of 10. I liked it. I thought it had very good entertainment value. I thought they didn't overdo it over the top like they could have. Um, and I thought it was uh, fast-paced. I didn't find myself wanting parts of the movie to be over one way or another. So I, I enjoyed it. I actually liked the stuff they added. I liked seeing District 11 riot. Yep. I liked uh, the behind-the-scenes TV stuff. I liked the Donald Sutherland character. So I liked that stuff a bit more than the actual stuff that was in the book because I don't think they executed it well They don't. Enough. Yeah, they don't. But like I said... Uh, Read the next two if you liked some of them more, because because it delves into the underlying unrest of all of the districts, not just District Twelve, more and as you go on. But um, so you'll ask, uh, Stacy, why if you gave both of them seven out of tens, you know, would you say one's better? Those are the standalone scores. Let's let's put it to a perspective, Jeff. Book or movie? In this case, I'm going to go with the title of the show and say the book was so much better. Yeah, spoiler alert, book is so much better. Yes. If you haven't figured it out yet, title of the show, book is so much better. <laughs> um, so much better on so many levels. Like it, leaps and bounds. I know, I, like I said, I scored them the same, but when you put them head to head, book is so much better. And if you want to make the movie enjoyable, read the book first. Because otherwise I think you'll be lost. Or you'll be like Stacy's parents and love the shit out of it. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's mostly because they don't know better. But, <laughs> you know, and I will say my mom read the book afterwards and she loved the book. So that might make you love the book even more if you read the book second. But um, I personally think read the book first, it's better. And then, yeah, it watched the movie. I think it, it's still in theaters up here. It was uh, when I saw it two weeks ago or three weeks ago or whatever. Yeah, so. it's still in theaters, so it's doing I'm sure it's well. in a dollar theater somewhere, somewhere yeah, near you. So. Um, but I I would say, in general, worth your time, for sure. Um, the books are uh, at discounts if you have them on e-readers, for mm -hmm. sure. And um, yeah, overall, I think, uh, I think it was a good pick. Yeah, I think it was a good, good inaugural episode. Yeah, so that leads us to uh, to just give you some heads up. You like this, uh, like the Hunger Games. You thought it was an interesting concept, and you go, "Hey, I want more." 
my recommenda recommendation to you is to read or watch The Battle Royale. It is written by a Japanese um, author, which, uh, Koshun Takami. Ooh. Yeah, published in uh, 1999. And it's about school children who are forced to fight. Yay. Sounds familiar, right? Sounds very um, familiar. And it is also a movie, is from what I understand. But read the book. There's manga about it. And uh, if you want to get more of the Hunger Games, Battle Royale is where, you, where it's at. Or if you go, hey, don't really like the Japanese style, that's fine. Stephen King wrote a book under a pseudonym called The Running Man. It started as a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it did. Very similar concept. Um, not so futuristic, but um, definitely if you wanted to get that feel surviving for your life in an entertainment for others sort of way, Running Man. So some two recommendations if you wanted something more. All right, Jeff, got something for you. You got something for me? Yeah, I got something for you. Main event, next time, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you three options. You're going to pick one. Our readers are more than welcome to read and uh, have some feedback. So uh, we're going to do uh, your pick between Stardust, A River Runs Through It, or Jurassic Park. Uh, wow, those are tough. Yeah. Um, let's do Let's do Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. It's a nice classic. Um, we'll do some uh, movies that are coming out in the theaters a little bit later. There's some pretty good ones, actually. There's a lot. In this, uh, yeah, in July and uh, some, some this fall that are coming out that are based off of books. So we'll do that. But let's go for a classic. Jurassic Park. It's by uh, Michael Creighton. Rest in peace. And uh, we'll do the original. Read I, the book, watch the movie, and we'll go through our main event next time. I met Michael Creighton once, side note. You're dead. I was in a, when I was here in 2008 for a, a summer class, he lectured in, at one of our classes, which is cool because there was only like 12 of us in the class, so. That's really cool. It's really shortly, shortly before he passed away. Oh, it'd be interesting to hear what he had to say when we go over uh, next podcast. Yeah, if I can yeah. remember things. <laughs> if you can remember. So, I'll try to... uh, next main event would be Jurassic Park, book versus movie. Alright. That All was, the book is so much better, no spoiler alert there. Uh, I'm Stacy. I'm Jeff. See you next time.